0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Mama Jack Podcast. Today we have Amy. She is a certified Life After Baby Loss coach and she is going to take us through her journey with loss of her own and how she got through it. This is a very heavy episode and I feel like it is very useful information because a lot of women go through this and hide for lack of a better word or they're not heard when they do speak out and I feel like this is a very important topic to listen to and to talk about because there needs to be more awareness around it as much as it hurts us all to think about this and as parents it's really hard to listen to some of these stories but it's also very important and it is a part of parenting and without further delay, here is my interview with Amy. I am trigger warning this. It is about child loss. Her journey is one of strength, and she uses that strength to help other people that have been through her situation now, and that is beautiful. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. I'm so excited to have you. So, Let's get into your story. Tell us about
1: yourself. Well, where where to start? (laughs) Um, So I am the mom of six children. Um, My oldest right now is 19 and my youngest is five and every age in between. And then I have two babies that are no longer with us that passed away during pregnancy. So they are very much a part of our family. Um, we kind of keep them with us every day. But I would have to say, yeah, my motherhood journey is kind of in two halves. So my first four pregnancies were easy and good. And you know, everything went smooth. And my last four um, were just kind of a roller coaster. So I am now a coach for other moms who have been through the loss of a baby. And I feel like it's just been kind of this kind of bad things that happened to us i we've just used them to i don't know to help other people yeah. and to help you learn others. about yeah learn about grief and and all of that first and, of all can i say
0: eight pregnancies girl yeah
1: yeah oh I know.
0: my god i did two and i was like nah <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's funny because I literally, after my, like with my four first ones, I was like, I could be a surrogate. Like this isn't, I mean, I'm not saying pregnancy is easy for anyone, but I have to say like, I was blessed either genetically or whatever. Like it just wasn't that bad for me. Um, I didn't like, I didn't feel awesome, but I didn't feel terrible. And it was just, yeah, I just was like, I could do this for somebody else. And, and then, yeah, things kind of turned sideways and yeah it was it was definitely different and I would definitely say the last couple of pregnancies were it was one of those situations where I just like everything on paper was like you should probably be done and I just could not shake that feeling like that there was more babies and so yeah I you know kind of stepped into that with some faith and some fear and had you know had different outcomes but I mean, you look back and it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. So, yeah. um, So what,
0: your first four were those all um, healthy pregnancies and everything like that? When did the losses come in?
1: Yeah, um, the first four were pretty much, I had a couple of little, well, with one of my pregnancies, I had had um, some, quite a lot of bleeding, I think. What's it called? Like a, there's, you can get like a hematoma, like Mm -hmm. in your uterus. And I had one point with one of my first four that I had, I actually hadn't told anybody I was pregnant. My mom was visiting. We were like, you know, just doing stuff, hanging out, cleaning. Um, I think I'd like just cleaned out the fridge and I sat down and then I stood up and I thought my water broke. Um, but it ended up being all blood, so that's fun, uh, and and yeah, so we kind of went through a whole thing there, but that, that seemed like a freak thing, like it just, it happened, the baby was fine, we kind of took it easy the rest of the pregnancy and kept a good eye on her, and like everything was fine. Yeah. So, but yeah, other than that, like they had all been really healthy, like I had been healthy, there was nothing nothing too worrisome and you know it was intense I had four little girls in six years and so that's like a lot of and I nursed them all for uh, around a year and so it was just like I was very like in it yeah (laughs) with the baby mode and the little kiddos and um, all of that but yeah and I have to say if it's okay usually if I'm on a podcast it isn't like grief, <laughs> directly grief or yeah. loss. Um, I know for a lot of people like talking about loss can be scary or like, if you're pregnant, it's like, you don't want to hear, um, these stories, but first I just want to say, I understand that. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that people say when they do go through a pregnancy loss, um, is I wish someone would have someone told me that this happens. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known it was possible. Like I wish I would have known more what to watch out for. um, And different things and it because it feels really lonely. Yeah. And but it happens to like one in four known pregnancies.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it's pretty common.
1: Yeah, it's very common, but we don't really talk about it. So I just want to like gently say to anyone who's like, I don't know, if, like it's not contagious talking about it. I don't think is going to cause anything or thinking about it or worrying about it. Like I don't want to worry anyone. Um, but yeah, I just think it's something that if we we're a little more open about that, it actually helps everyone. If we can just understand it, whether or not we go through it, like we definitely know and love somebody who will or has um so I just want to like put that out there just to put people's minds to rest if they're like I don't know if I want to hear
0: yeah and most likely
1: they go through it silently
0: right because not Mm -hmm. a lot of people share that and I think it's something important to bring up because it is a part of life and these are things that people go through and you know just even like what to say when it happens or, you know, what happened during the pregnancy, honestly, being pregnant is, you know, it is what it is. Like, you don't know what can happen. You could be Mm -hmm. perfectly healthy, like, and it's just, you know, but also like not to sound a certain way, that's kind of parenting as well, right? Like you can have this idea that everything's going to be okay and healthy and whatever, and then it can totally spin you around. So the whole process of having a child pregnancy through even them growing up is always kind of the unknown. Even if you feel good and everything like that, I don't want to scare anybody either. But it's like something that, you know, happens. And I feel terrible for people that don't speak up about it. Because I mean, I guess a lot of people get awkward, you know, and they don't know what to do or what to say. And it's like, I feel like also in this podcast, maybe we should talk a little bit about that and how you can support people that have been through this, because I know a lot of people, I had somebody close to me lose a pregnancy at 20 weeks, and I didn't have kids at the time, and I told her, like, I'm just here to support you, whatever you need, and I think she honestly went through postpartum depression and all of it, because she was 20 weeks, right, and she took it hard, and I just didn't know how to react. Like I did as the best I could, but it was just something that again, like we said before, nobody really talks about. So it's hard to know what to do in that situation, even when it's not you. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I love it. You're, you're right on. And I think it's like, it's society at large. It's kind of a, I mean, in history of Yeah, I think throughout history, people expected to lose children. It's just kind of recent that we think you have sex, you get pregnant, nine months later, a healthy baby comes out. And so there's a lot of things we do, like we don't tell until after the first trimester, which is kind of funny. It's like, we kind of expect the best, but we also are like, well, you shouldn't say anything there's just a lot. Yeah, there's just even when we talk about like, we lose a baby, it's like you don't really lose a baby, like no matter how small that baby is, that baby has to come out of your body. Like it is a process. It is a birth. But in our heads, it's like, well, we don't want to think about that. Because that's sad. Yeah. And so yeah, when you think about like a 20 week baby, um, I actually volunteer and help when babies are stillborn in the hospital. And I mean, they're like the most precious little dolls they're so cute and those parents like they there's labor they're like everything and even their milk will come in Mm -hmm. Um, there's all these things like your body doesn't know that your baby died and and so I think you know we kind of just want to shield ourselves from that and again we don't want to we don't want to be afraid or it's just hard to think about so yeah we just don't talk about it we don't have really good language around it and so yeah when you go through it it does feel like really lonely if you don't know like hey there's a ton of us out here and we have resources and we can help you and it's it's one of those things I'm sure you've heard this with other like parenting challenges but it's like the worst club with the best people yeah because it's such a part of Our hearts and our families. And it's just such a unique kind of grief where you like lose the person you love before you really get to meet them. And so, yeah, I just, like I said, I feel like the more we can be open about it and share our stories, the more we can connect and um, do better. And I think it has been getting better. Like, if you look at the news and stuff, like there's a lot more, even celebrities or people who really do share. Um, that they they've been through, this yeah. And... Um, what's her name? Chrissy
0: Teigen is that how you say her name? Uh-huh. Do yeah. you remember her whole thing with that? Yep. Definitely. And I remember she was getting bashed pretty hard by some people, and I was like, "Why? This is what happens, guys." Like I, when she shared that whole process on Instagram and her social media, I wanted to stand up and clap because I wanted to be like finally somebody's giving these women that have gone through this a public voice you yeah. know because you don't hear about it like I don't I don't mean that as in like to be to not care about her situation because it was horrible right that it's mm-hmm. always horrible but like finally there's be- like being shed on it like there's people talking about it and it was like such a quote taboo thing for a celebrity to talk about like Mm I I honestly feel like she's one of the first people that have ever put it out there like that and yeah well
1: and in the moment and I think a lot of the pushback which for anybody who doesn't know she was pregnant and then I think she had like yeah some bleeding problems they were trying to get under control and in the end just couldn't Mm -hmm. if she kept the pregnancy she was probably going to pass away so their little baby had to come out and but even taking pictures because like people don't know that you can take pictures of your baby and you can make those memories and you can like grieve out loud it's kind of like we have this idea that it should be quiet and private and there's a right way to do it and there really really isn't and I think for so many lost parents it's like you don't get to gush about your baby and you don't get all the congratulations. Our fifth pregnancy was also like just fine and nothing really concerning, but I guess I could just dive into that and then finish my, my point. But yeah, she, we were having our fifth daughter and everything was going great. We were getting ready to go. And my mom had flown into town. We were like, we went on this big hike because we thought, Oh, we'll walk you know, walk the baby out yep. and um, just, just nesting, just doing all the stuff. Cause grandma was there and I was like, Oh, all these little things I want to do before I have five kids, which is like, a little, like scary, a little <laughs> overwhelming. Um, and then I kind of thought I had felt contractions. And so I was like up in the night thinking like, Oh, it worked. Like we're going to have this baby by morning. Like it's going to be so fun. And, but then my contractions didn't go anywhere. And so I went and laid down. And when I woke up, I was like, you know, I really haven't felt her kicking for a, a while. And then I tried to think back to the day before, which, again, had been, like, so busy. And so, like, we had done so many things. And um, so I was like, I don't know. So we, we called into the clinic. Like, I was supposed to have a doctor's appointment the next day. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm overreacting. And that's what we do, like, as women. We just, like, downplay our you know yeah of course we tell her since we're something yeah we're we don't know what we're talking about um I wasn't worried I just was like oh that's weird um but yeah and they made us an appointment and we came in which again I am a huge advocate of like if you feel like something's wrong just go to labor and delivery or go in
0: because even my
1: doctor's office was like oh just they made us an appointment for like it was probably 10 AM when I called and they made me an appointment for like two 30 in the afternoon. Like they didn't even say, which is probably their like bad advice. They didn't weren't like come in right now and get checked. Um, But I think, yeah, just go in. Uh But yeah, so we ended up going in and we had a different doctor. It wasn't our regular doctor and he did the Doppler. We kind of just, you know, did the small talk, did all the stuff and, just told them what was going on and he did the doppler and there it was quiet and then they wanted to get it they have like a little in-office ultrasound machine and he got that and he you know also quiet and so at that point I was four days away from my due date oh my and, god and you know and <laughs> You're not, it's not like they just can't find the heartbeat. Um, We kind of saw what was happening and, but then they sent us to the hospital to like the big ultrasound machine. And I remember like they turned off, you know, they have the big screen sometimes. So they have like a big screen so you can see when you're laying on the bed and they turned that off and just again, really quiet. And I remember Right before we had gone in there, they had us in the waiting room and just kind of, luckily my husband was there. Usually I went alone, but luckily he was there that day because I thought, because, you know, I was like, I think something's happening. Um, You better stick around. So he was with me and we both just, I mean, everyone reacts differently, but I, I think we both were just kind of in shock and kind of quiet and also just thinking how, How do we tell, like, our little girls were nine, eight, six, and three. Mm -hmm. Um, They were so excited for their baby sister. And it's just like, how do we tell them what's happening? Or kind of, we're just like, what is happening? So, of course, finally, they said, you know, she doesn't have a heartbeat. She's passed away and we're going to need to induce you. And. I think they were also in shock because they, we lived like two minutes from the hospital, but they took me right back to like get into a gown and all get ready to get induced. And like looking back, I could have gone home. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize is like you have more time, like, well, in some cases, like you just have more time than you think. And I didn't even think like, oh, I should go home and talk to my kids and pack a bag and get a toothbrush, you know, and process for a second. They didn't say, hey, go home and process and then come back in the morning. They just were like, let's do this. Um, So I stayed at the hospital, started getting ready to induce. My husband had to go home and tell our little girls and tell my mom what had happened. I had known of some people who had had a stillbirth before, and I knew that they had taken pictures which I think was my point was like, yes, you can make memories like you can saying like, if you lose your baby at any point in time, even teeny tiny ones, you can see them if you want to. They're beautiful. They're amazing. Like I have held a 13 week baby and it had like fingernails and toenails. And sometimes, you know, there's, it's not always like pretty, I guess. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think they're beautiful miracles. Um, But some people don't want to like some people really just want to not and that's okay, too. Um, But yeah, it is. It's a birth like when you are 39 and a half weeks, you give birth. And that's kind of what I did was I told myself, okay, (laughs) like I had been induced three other times. For different reasons and I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I'm just gonna do this and get her here. And we, you know, my mother-in-law had bought her some little outfits and we just kind of we were just looking through the outfits and looking through because I had all this girl stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. All these baby clothes we'd just taken out and we just washed and were putting away and the nursery was ready and I gotten a new crib because our last one was like a hand-me-down that had been through four babies and Mm -hmm. I was like I'm gonna get a new crib and I was like I always remember being nine months pregnant putting this crib together by myself because I just like I'm kind of a do-it-yourself kind of gal Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I didn't want to wait where my husband was busy or something he was out of town or so I, I just remember being hugely pregnant putting together this crib and then it's like yeah now what like we had the car seat in the car everything um so yeah we we were able to have her she came in the middle of the night and she was beautiful and perfect and in our case we think that the placenta had just separated Mm -hmm. um partially enough that you know she couldn't survive it and So I think that the, what I thought was contractions was just maybe, I don't know, something happened in there, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we, we got to spend a little bit of time with her, not very much. And I always tell people too, like, again, you can spend, like, we only spent a few hours really, but we did take pictures. We did have our kids come and meet her. I know that's a question a lot of people have, like, should, Should I tell my kids? Should they come? Should they, you know, how do you explain this? There's like a lot of questions around that. But for us, I think it helps them to see that the baby's real Mm -hmm. and helps them to process and gives them at least that one little memory that they have. Like we have a picture of them with their sister and like one of my little girls didn't want to hold her. And she was just really, really upset and, it's like, yeah, I can totally understand that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to process, but but yeah, we got we got Demeter and like my mom and my in-laws were there, and, and yeah, and then you gotta start planning a funeral. So while you're kind of giving birth, you're also you know, trying to figure out how to what to do next. And so it's like a pretty surreal experience to put it lightly (laughs) yeah I mean very lightly
0: yeah I'd say very lightly because that's just devastating what were your like going through labor and knowing this like that's what always gets me when I hear about this my heart just feels ripped out whenever I um think about it you know because your, your body worked so hard for so long. And it's like, yes. why? You know, how did you? So I guess that's my questions. How did you get past the like, whys or and I don't mean this to sound any certain way. But did you feel guilt around it in any way? What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I think it's super common, which is really <laughs> unfortunate. And I think, again, if we're like more open about that, how <clears throat> often this happens, and people wouldn't feel so guilty. But yeah, most people do blame themselves or blame their body or say, I should have, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like, why mm-hmm. didn't I go in earlier? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And so for us, like I said, we had been so busy that day before. I wasn't kick counting. I didn't really feel... I don't know if I felt guilty about that but I would say to anyone listening like there are some great apps for kick counting and some still bursts are preventable. A lot of times you have this idea that it just happens like it's just this thing but I think if you go to like count the kicks there's a, there's some great resources but but we had gone on this really bumpy four-wheel drive road out um, to this overlook and that's something like my family we're super outdoorsy my husband had like you know, we we got four wheel drive. This isn't abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I was kind of like, well, maybe this will bounce the baby out, you know? And so we had gone on this really bumpy road. And I remember just being like really, really pregnant, going over a really bumpy road and thinking, oh, like I should get out and walk. Cause this is a little, you know, yeah, much on the bladder, much on my stomach. It's just, um, so I think both my husband and I kind of went to that and thought, did we, you know? Yeah did something happen? Did we cause this? And in this situation with my daughter, her name is Lauren, I just was able to decide pretty quickly that like, we did the best we could with what we knew at the time. What we were doing was not abnormal for us. Like we never would have knowingly endangered our child. Yeah. And, and yeah, but it is, I would say like most people I actually have like on my website, I have like a Stop Blaming Yourself mini course because it's just so common. Mm -hmm. And working through that, I think really was trying to think. I just I probably had read some things or read some stories or just really thought about it and really just decided I'm not going to blame myself, which is an option. Like I said, it's pretty natural to blame the mother when a baby dies because like that's your one job. Right. Or like during a pregnancy, it's like, that's your job. Like keep the baby alive. So if the baby dies, like our brain, it wants to figure out like what happened and why Mm -hmm. did this happen and how can we prevent it in the future? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, we're just like an easy target and we're exhausted and we're hormonal and we're like grieving. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like so easy to blame yourself and to feel guilt. Mm But, I mean, in 99.9% of cases, I mean, this was not your fault. Yeah. So, if you don't
0: mind, let's talk about the second time, because this happened a second time to you. And then I'd love to talk about the coping mechanisms that you use and you suggest for parents that have to go through this.
1: So, I'll fast forward Yeah, we did, like, bury Lauren, and, you know, we're just kind of going through the grieving process, figuring it out, and it, you know, it was definitely, like, living your worst nightmare and just trying to do your best to get through it, and when you lose a baby like that, it's, we were so ready for a baby, we decided, like, we for sure, well, I just had this deep desire to have another one, which a lot of people actually do find, and it's not a replacement. But it's just, yeah, I just really wanted to have a baby to put in that crib, and yeah, um, and it felt also out of control. So we kind of just were like, let's leave it to the universe, let's leave it to God. let's like obviously we you can't, you think you can plan these things, but you can't. And so we were able to get pregnant again quite quickly, mm-hmm. like five months later, so I just had a full term loss. And yeah, it was four or five months and ended up being pregnant again so it it ended up all going it was really weird because pregnancy after loss is also like one of the hardest things i've ever done yeah it's it's you're probably
0: paranoid all the time like no matter what it goes from like something that you've had these children you went through it a thousand times and now it's like whoa 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 this changed, we don't know what the heck happened. Now everything's scary.
1: Yeah, like everything. I, I've i never, like, I'm just lucky enough that, like, I've never struggled with anxiety or panic attacks or anything. But when I got that pregnant, like that positive pregnancy test, I was like, oh, and it's like, it's the thing you wanted. And then exactly at the same time, just like the thing you're, It's so scary. Yeah. So I ended up going through that whole year. So it was like the first year of grieving. I'm also pregnant. And I ended up being pregnant on a pretty, like almost all the milestones were the same. The seasons were the same. Um, And this is actually weirdly common, like to end up having a baby like a year after um, a loss. But yeah, so it was just like a whole lot. And we were really happy that that baby did live it was a real tough go and but he was born alive our first little boy we were so excited like but I couldn't like breathe until he came out and even then they put him on me and I was like he's not breathing he's not breathing like you need to take care of him and they took him to the warmer and he immediately like peed on the nurses and I was like okay <laughs> like we're good he's peeing he's crying yeah. um we're okay and so it was, you know, and that's the whole thing too. Like parenting after loss, now you've got this baby after loss. And it's like all the reminders of, of what you've lost, but also just like such a joy, like healed our hearts so much. And that was the point where my doctor was like, you know, if I was you, I probably wouldn't try this again. And, but I just kept feeling like, well, maybe there there's more children for us. And so if, I don't even know how long, a few years later, um, I did find out I was pregnant again, and it was really, really sick, and we were moving. I don't know. I feel like every time we've moved, I've been pregnant because I did have a lot of pregnancies. So I was like so sick, just so sick, but I was like, this is a good sign because, you know, it means like things are going good, the pregnancy strong, and whatever, and so we moved to a new place, a new town, and I'd gotten in with the doctor, and we were already, we were like you know, here's my background and here's my whole story. And we're really going to like, I'm advocating for myself. And we're like creating a plan of like making sure I get into specialists, making sure, you know, we're really on top of everything we can be. And they sent me for an ultrasound at like just about 11 weeks. And we were able to see the baby just, like, hopping around and bouncing. It's like the gummy bear stage. Yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that, where they just, like, have these little <clears throat> arms and legs, and they're just all over the place. They and...
0: literally look like a gummy bear. Like, yeah. it's like two, four little stumps. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're so cute. And, like, it was awesome. And, you know, everything looked good. Everything was on point, you know, sizes and all of it was good. So we we got some ultrasound pictures and then we kept going on and on. And like I said, I'd been so, so sick. I finally told my kids we generally just like waited longer, partly because of the losses and partly because I just I feel like nine months is a long time for kids to wait.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I just would keep it to myself when we were pregnant. But I was like, I'm so sick, and I'm just like laying on the couch sipping limeade all day because that was the only thing that would like keep my stomach happy. And so we told the kids. They're excited. And then we had actually gone to the funeral of a friend who died in like this total freak accident. And I remember going with my husband and it was like, I don't remember how many hours, probably like three hours, two or three hours. And I was like, I don't have to pee every five seconds or I don't feel terrible. You know, I actually felt Mm -hmm. better, but I was just coming up on the second trimester. So I was like, oh, finally, like that relief. Yeah of getting out of the the first trimester. So yeah, things were going, I mean, relatively good. We had a bunch of other stuff going on in like life, which was hard, but the pregnancy seemed okay. And, but then we kind of had the same experience. This time my husband was out of state. So he was very far away. I went into my doctor's appointment. I had a friend watch my son. Um, my little rainbow baby. And I went and same thing. She put the Doppler on and couldn't find a heartbeat. So she grabbed the ultrasound machine, couldn't couldn't find anything. And she said, you know, I'm going to send you over to the hospital so they can confirm. I can't tell you anything until they confirm it. But I mean, I'd been through this before and I was just, but I was in shock for sure that first of all that it's happening again that it happened right now um that you know everything had looked fine and then all of a sudden it's not fine and i mean i remember just so we live in one little town and the hospital is in the next little town over it's like 15 miles and i remember just like crying trying you know driving trying to be safe obviously but just mm-hmm. being like yeah just in tears
0: yeah, it's like Groundhog's Day, but you're alone this time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I had to call my friend and be like, I think we lost baby. I have to go to the hospital. Can you keep, you know, can you watch my kids a little longer? And um, so, yeah, I just went to the hospital, and they they had confirmed everything. And they did take some pictures for me. And then I kind of had to go home and tell my kids i stopped on the way home and got some little stuffed animals to maybe somehow soften the blow a little bit but yeah i had to sit them down and just tell them what had happened and that was not fun for them it's like it just you know they just found out about it and now it's gone how
0: how far along were you the second time
1: so this was 14 weeks
0: okay so you did they do a dnc Or did you have to give birth?
1: Yeah. So that's, that was the question. And I think, again, for anybody listening who's been through this, just giving yourself so much grace. Because at that point, I had been helping in the baby loss like community and doing so much and like knew so much. But I still, I felt like the only options the doctor gave me was surgery, which I was right on the edge. So once you're in the second trimester, it gets a little trickier Mm -hmm. um, with having surgery. And then, or to just like be at home and do it myself, which I didn't, I was really scared to do because I didn't want to like, I had a toddler and like I had all these kids and I was yeah. alone and it's like, I don't want to do that. So I had talked to a friend. So what I had was called a missed miscarriage. It means like your, your body, you're not, there's no like symptoms. It's mm-hmm. just the baby has passed. And that's actually really common. Um, and I know a lot of people feel really bad. Like, why didn't I know? Or why did my body still feel pregnant when I wasn't? But yeah, it's it's really common. And the thing is, it can take weeks sometimes. And so I, like when I've helped people in the hospital, a lot of times they've come in for their anatomy scan and like the baby passed away like weeks before and is much smaller than they expected. And so that can be really tough But yeah, so I just had to decide and and I wanted to wait till my husband came back. So luckily I had a one of my sweetest friends came and stayed with me and just in case something happened. But yeah, I wasn't like cramping. I wasn't bleeding like nothing was happening. And we just ended up deciding to do surgery because another friend I had talked to who had had like multiple second trimester losses, she had said that like, you don't want to just be walking around waiting and wondering yeah, how long is this going to take and how bad is it going to be? And, and yeah, so I wish I would have been given the option to give birth to like be induced and be able to see the baby. But I I just wasn't. And, you know, I've had to make peace with kind of a lot of those parts of my story. Cause I, I ended up going in for surgery. So my husband got home, I think like a Thursday night and Friday morning, we went in and the, it happened to be Friday the 13th and looking back, probably not, not the best day to go and do that. But yeah, my doctor was kind of like, you know, it'll be 20 minutes. You'll be home in time for breakfast because of course you're fasting and mm-hmm. for the surgery. And so I, I went to sleep and when I woke up, it was kind of like in the movies was laying on my back, looking up at the lights and the doctor was saying, Amy, we had some complications. You lost a lot of blood and we're going to take you over to the hospital because I was in like a surgery, you know, outpatient surgery place Yeah, attached to the hospital. So they were going to wheel me over, um, And I guess what had happened is like immediately when they started, I started hemorrhaging and I can't even, even talking about it now. I think there's like definitely some trauma like in there. I still need to work through, but they said, yeah, I basically immediately started hemorrhaging and they spent 90 minutes um, just trying to get the bleeding to stop. Uh, I think I ended up with three units of blood and just couldn't like I had no blood pressure at one point so I was in the hospital and they you know the cuff is taking your blood pressure every however many minutes and it you know all the alarms started going all these doctors start rushing into my room like my husband's of course just terrified and um, it was it was pretty rough and So we kind of just stayed there and rested, got me some more blood. Um, I do. I'm like a woman of faith. And we we had a friend come and help give me a blessing, like do a special prayer for the sick and help me. And I feel like after that, I kind of started to, you know, rally and get back and um, feel a little more alive, I guess. And yeah, and we also had wanted to do the surgery cuz i thought well we can send you know the baby which that's another one a lot of times like the doctor she she kept calling it products of conception and it's just kind of like there's no good word to describe you know what happens during surgery and your what happens but we wanted answers like i really wanted to know the gender mm-hmm. really really badly and cuz i didn't want to have to call my baby it or whatever Mm -hmm. you know, for the ever I wanted to be able to name them. And so we decided that if we did surgery, then we would have like all the information we could get the information we needed. So I kind of went home and was trying to recover. I couldn't get out of bed for like a week. I couldn't stand up, right? So I read all the Anna Green Gables books, which I actually I'm Canadian and Anna Green Gables is super Canadian. And I had never read them and like spoiler alert, but I did not know that Anne also lost the baby. Oh wow. Um, So so I'm sitting here reading like book three or what I don't even remember which one because there's like seven Anna Green Gables books and I'm just crying and I just it's sad and it's hard and I feel terrible just terrible like between the anesthesia and losing all the blood and yeah all of it it was just like really rough and on top of it we had had like we had just moved and this like the finances had kind of fallen through with our buyer it was just like this whole thing and I just thought how how can everything be so hard right now like this is just rough yeah Um, when it rains it pours right exactly and yeah and it just didn't seem fair and I think for that one like to be honest I I was super mad. Like with the first loss, I was like, okay, like I can find peace around it. And like this happens. And like I had a lot of, I had a lot of peace to be honest, like in the devastation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I was able to find a lot of peace. But this one, I was like really mad because I was like, this is not fair. It's really not fair. I've been through this. I'm trying to help people. Like I'm doing all this. I, I did everything, like everything I could to make sure this baby was okay. And I'd like prayed every single day, just like, just let this baby live. Yeah. Like what lesson? I mean, in my eyes, I
0: always try to look at everything as a lesson, right? Like, and it's like, why did I have to learn this again? Like it was already one time. Like, why is it necessary for me to have to see this part Of life a second time around
1: yeah yeah it just it was really hard and then we ended up finding out so we waited and waited and waited like to get these results back and I was just like how long does this usually take like you know we just kind of wanted to find out what had happened if there's like a chromosome thing or if there's anything you know Mm kind of just find out anything we could and probably I feel like it took forever maybe like two months Mm -hmm. before I got a call from my doctor and she was pretty she sounded pretty upset on the phone but she was just like Amy I am so sorry but the lab made a mistake and they couldn't test like the remains of the baby and I just like broke down and she was trying to say some other stuff. And I was just like, I got to go. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. talk to you. I can't say words, can't mm-hmm. breathe. Like, you know, because I was like the one hope in the just the mess of it all. And like the pain and the everything was like this one thing that I had wanted so much. And it's like, well, now you don't get that either. Yeah. And so that was like devastating. And then I started down a road of like, you know, I was like, I did that surgery and went through all that stuff so I could find out the gender. And then we didn't even get it. And like, and I didn't, something that was really hard for me was just, they didn't offer, like, I don't know what happened to that baby, which we named river. We ended up choosing like a gender neutral nature name,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, kind of made a list with my kids and they voted on it. But. Yeah. I kind of was like, well, some places they, they have like, places they bury babies some places they will offer them back for cremation some places like there's options but nobody gave like nobody said anything and I think in my shock and in my like physical situation and in everything like I didn't think to ask yeah like what happens next
0: mm-hmm
1: And so I felt really terrible about that for a really long time. And yeah, I had a lot of like, really, I was just like, awful to myself. I was beating myself up feeling like I had made a mistake feeling like my faith was really kind of rocked, because Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what the heck? (laughs) Like, what's the point in any of this? Um, so I kind of like was throwing a tantrum about that, you know, inwardly. On the outside, I probably looked fineish. I would say having a miscarriage like that was different than the stillbirth. Like, it, I always say it's not better or worse. Like, you can't really compare them. Uh, it was just a, a really different experience. We were in a new town. Nobody knew we were pregnant. But that's how I basically told, like, some of my neighbors. Yeah. The first time they heard I was pregnant was like, oh she lost the baby and can you bring her some dinner type of thing. And so it was just weird. Like it just, it was different. And I think my, my girls actually interviewed them on my podcast to kind of get their experience. Like now that they're a little bit older and they had said like with Lauren, it's like they lost a baby sister and with river, it was like they lost the idea of it, Mm -hmm. but it just like, wasn't real yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's the thing with, with the loss of a child or a baby is you lose that future, like you lose all your plans and all the ways you'd seen them in your life and then they're just not anymore. Um, so yeah, that was rough and that was rough. I think my kids were really scared. Um, my in-laws were babysitting and I think You know, we were just trying to communicate, but I think I know at least my oldest was really worried about me, you know, whether I was going to be okay. And so, yeah, then you've got like traumatized mom, traumatized kids, traumatized husband, and just trying to keep on keeping on Mm -hmm. as you do and getting people to school and going to sports and, you know. Yeah,
0: you, you couldn't just stop. I mean, that's another thing with both of your griefs is you're a mom, you know, we can't just stop and grieve, really. I mean, we have other things that we have to do for we have to show up for our other children. So it's not like something that I mean, I feel like that's kind of it's kind of good in a way, because it probably took your mind off of it when So you weren't maybe so much obsessing all the time about it. Because I know, you know, I'd be obsessing. But then you probably had points where you just broke a little bit. Because holding that in, I mean, some point it's going to come out.
1: And help our kids. Like, we have to fill our own cup. Like, we have to. So, yeah, that was, I think, really, really good for me to have my family. Yeah, and also... Just, it's a lot of people to take care of and to make sure they're, they're doing all right. And I think, you know, for us, we were really open. I think we are really, like I said, our babies are part of our family. Like we keep them as part of the family. And um, so we kind of had the language, you know, to just add River in to mm-hmm. the family. And yeah, we, when they say like, I'm, I'm sad, you know, or I miss Lauren or, or whatever. I would just say, yeah, me too. Like a lot of times we feel like we have to fix it. And I think that's where a lot of people like loved ones maybe get stuck is they feel like they have to fix the grieving person. Yeah. But you really don't like, you don't need to have the right thing to say. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to take away their pain. You just need to like be there, let them know you're there. And so as a mom, that was kind of what I did instead of, you know, cause you can just, it's hard if you feel like your children shouldn't have to deal with this, right? That's what a lot of us think. Like kids shouldn't have to go through hard things or yeah. like a three-year-old shouldn't have to hold her little, you know, baby sister that's passed away that, you know, it, it can be really hard. But when we understand that like life is just hard and all we can do is just help each other through it then it's like not such a weight that you have to fix it for them but you just got to teach them and help them and support them as you help and support yourself and so I was glad that I had kind of learned some of those lessons already and like I said we had the language for it and we just yeah we just take it one day at a time and then you just you know as they grow they have questions um and then we did have one more living child after river and he still like he will say where's river's grave if we go to lauren's grave he says where's river buried and so i have to kind of go like in a age appropriate way try to say you know i'm just like well i had surgery and and we don't we didn't get to bury river you know and that's something I've worked so, so hard on and actually had hired a coach right before I started my business, because I was like, I have to stop blaming myself. I have to find peace with this and I have to put this weight down so that I can really, truly help my clients and also be able to answer questions like that with my kids without it like breaking my heart again Yeah, um, or feeling like I'm being stabbed. Because I still blame myself for what happened with River. Um, But instead, I can just say, you know what? You know, here's the very basics of what happened. This is why we don't have a grave. And move on, you know, and not have it just like totally derail my day or, or whatever.
0: Yes. What was your biggest support after these losses? What would you say was your biggest support?
1: I, my biggest support... I mean, I would say I'm so grateful like social media is, you know, it has a lot of negatives, but it also has a lot of positives. And so being able to find other people who got it, like finding online support groups and meeting Mm -hmm. people for my first loss, we lived way out in this tiny, tiny town, like there wasn't a ton of resources. So I was super grateful um, for online. And then I had just a few friends that really stuck with me. And a few friends were like put in my path that we became just like instant best friends. And I think it's quality, not quantity when you're grieving, because it can feel a lot of people that I talk to. It's, it's like, it can be this secondary loss when the people around you that you want to be your biggest support they just aren't able to like they don't understand they don't know the right things to say they want to fix you they're really concerned with like how long you're grieving or 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 they disagree with you know how you want to celebrate your baby's due date or whatever Um, and so then they feel just like terrible and I always tell people just if you have like one or two or three like You know they're going to be there. You know that when they text you and say, how are you today, that you can actually say how you're feeling. Uh, That is priceless. So I had one friend. We actually were pregnant. And neither of us, we had like been neighbors and we both had moved. And we found out that we were due on the exact same day. So we were both due on St. Patrick's Day. And so we had gone through the pregnancy all together, you know, like through text and online, whatever. And, you know, I lost Lauren and she hadn't had her baby yet. And I remember even just like not wanting to say like we hadn't put it on social. We hadn't said anything mm-hmm. like we were just kind of like surviving and figuring stuff out. And, and, you know, she hadn't had her baby yet. And she was texting me and I was like, I don't want to tell her because I don't want that on her mind, you know, as she's had yeah. her baby. And it was just like this really weird thing. And she, you know, was, I mean, such an incredible support to me. And we do I mean, I have this little boy who is exactly how old Lauren would be. And, and yeah, she was just really, really there for me. And I had another really good friend who was there for me and who still is um, and then like I said some other lost mom friends that I found along the way that we just connected and I think that's one of the byproducts of grief that is a good thing is you kind of kind of figure out who your people are you yeah you just you really are able to connect um, quickly with people and support and sometimes that lasts for a season you know sometimes things change, sometimes things evolve. But for me, that's, that's who was there. And then my husband was like, you know, we, I think like most couples grieve differently from each other, like his wasn't outward. But he was always super supportive, because the way I grieved was like service. And so I'm like, sewing little angel baby clothes. And I'm like, in all these groups, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm reading all these books. And I'm going to like remembrance walks. And, it, and it's just like, that's not his thing. But he never said, like, stop buying fabric or, you know, like, he, he just let me do my thing. And I kind of understood that the way he processed was to like, be at work or yeah. And so I think that's really, really important in relationships. Like if you're grieving, or if you're going through something hard is like, give each other so much grace and space and just like I said before, like you need more people for support than just your partner um, or just your family. Like you really need to find people who get it. And then that's the people that you sit and talk with and cry with and share pictures and do whatever you need to do. Right. Like have that. And then, then just love your partner, you know, love your family and yeah, just don't don't try to put all of that onto one person because I think it just sets us up for failure. And even like even in a regular relationship, if you want your partner to be your one and only support person, like that's probably not super like it's not going to work really well. Yeah. Um, so
0: so <clears throat> one more question. If this happens to somebody you know, what do you think the best way to approach it is? Would it be a phone call? Would it be a text saying, I'm here for you, please tell me how I can support you in this? Like, what do you think would be the best response as somebody that cares for somebody that just went through a loss like this?
1: Yeah, I love this question. And I actually did. I just barely did an entire podcast on it because I get this question so much. And You know, I just found myself repeating myself. So I just put it on a podcast, but give us the
0: short and sweet and then I'll post the podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh,
1: Oh, I'll give it to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, like I said before, you don't need to fix it. So a lot of people are like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I think implicit in that is that you can say the right thing. Which again, it's like, well, if I just say the right thing, then I'll make them feel better. It's like, you're not in charge of their emotions. Like your job is if you're a friend or a loved one is just to sit in the sadness with them. Um, Don't try to fix it. And I always say something is better than nothing. Because a lot of times we'll try to talk ourselves out of it. I remember like we had a friend in the same town who lost baby at around seven months. And I was like, I don't know, like we're acquaintances, but I'm not close enough. And I was like, I want to take her some flowers. And I was like, what if she doesn't like flowers? What if, you know, what if it's weird that I just show up on her doorstep? And then like time went by and I was like, what if it's too late? (laughs) Like, have you ever, you know, I feel like this is common. Like we kind of, we have this desire to help and then we talk ourselves out of it, which is so weird, but. So my other thing is don't I wouldn't ever ask anybody like when we have that phrase like just let me know how I can help or let me know if there's anything you need. Um, it sounds so kind and yet even on a good day most of us are not ever going to be like asking oh well, I for need a meal
0: like I need a meal come let me cry on your lap you're just yeah. gonna be like
1: no I'm fine. So you yeah think like i' doing the laundry something. let me call my friend and tell her to come help me with it yeah no. like yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and struggle with it so when someone's grieving like they don't know what they need they're mm. just heartbroken and overwhelmed and so for us to put it on them is i just don't think it's the best way to go about it and it it really like we want to connect we want to help I feel like kind of putting it on them is actually disconnects in a way of course like if You know, I still say it like I feel like it's part of like we say it. But what you can do is think about ways you want to serve them. Think about ways you want to help. Think about your capacity and then offer that and be really specific. Like, hey, I can take your kids on Tuesday or Thursday um, so you can get some rest. Mm -hmm. Which one's better for you? Or, hey, I'm going to order pizza for you on Friday. What kind do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or I'll walk your dog or I'll, you know, there's no right way. A lot of times we think it's like casseroles and flowers and everyone kind of like inundates the people <laughs> the first week and then kind of everything stops. And so I think being there when the casseroles stop coming is really, really important. Mm-hmm. I think remembering important dates, um, is really special and we can use technology like you can put it in your phone you can set it up like you could even like do one of those online card things where you can like pre make a card when you know the due date or you know it's mother's day or you know it's like Halloween even there because there's so many like kid centric holidays um, that when your baby dies it's so just do what you can do and I say just like be there for the long haul as as much as you can Um, because a lot of us think that, like, after the first year, it's not as bad, and that's not necessarily true. Um, It really depends on the person and the situation, but I think some of the loneliest times are, yeah, when you feel like everyone's life is moving on, and you're just, like, stuck still, you know? Your life, your family, your vision of the future is, like, Broken into pieces on the ground, and people are still laughing and smiling and joking. You know, I remember going to Easter, like a city Easter egg hunt, right after Lauren had died. And I just like put on my sunglasses. But again, it's like, I want to take my kids, you know, we want to go do something. And just almost standing around like I wasn't in my own life. Like, I'm just watching these people like it's a movie, like they're laughing and they're talking and they're running around and they're joking and they're. And I was just like, how, how, when am I going to laugh again? Like, when will I actually smile again? When will I not feel like crying every second of my life? And so it's like really surreal. And I think, I mean, my last, I'll wrap it up. But my last piece of advice too would be just to understand that grief is pretty self-centered. And so if your person just isn't, I think where a lot of pain comes up is when, you know, friends want, the grieving person to be who they were before or to be able to do what they did before. They want to they want to like bring them back to who they were before and they're just not going to be. So you've got to like let your relationships evolve and, and meet your friend where they are, even if it's hard on you because it can be hard. And if you love someone and they lose a baby, like you're also sad and you're also affected. Mm-hmm. So just giving each other a lot of Race and just, I think I always say it just is so helpful to believe that everyone's doing the best they can. And sometimes our best is messy. And, you know, sometimes our best is messy and we say the wrong thing or we do the wrong thing or we we mean to do something and we don't. But we just be kind to ourselves and be kind to the person you love who's grieving. Then, like, it's all going to work out and, like, you're going to be okay.
0: Well, thank you so much for today. I will share. You have a blog, you said, right? I have a a podcast. You have a podcast. So I will Mm -hmm. share your podcast. Your business, is it on any social media or anything?
1: Yeah. So all my stuff is called Smooth Stones. Um, So on Instagram, I'm at amy.smoothstonescoaching. My website is smoothstonescoaching.com. And then my podcast is also called Smooth Stones
0: Awesome. So I will put all of those links in the description of this so people can easily find it. I will also tag you whenever I post on social media about this so we can follow each other on Instagram so I can make sure you're tagged in it. And I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your story because I know every time you talk about it, it brings back a little more memory and I just appreciate you sharing as much as you have and I really think it's going to help a lot of women that have been through this that haven't had a lot of people
1: to talk to about it yeah absolutely and I I want to thank you for just being open to like it's real motherhood Yeah, it's real for a lot of people and for a lot of people we love so I'm I'm happy to to share. And I love talking about my baby. So that's, I guess, one last tip I would say is let let your person talk about their baby, ask them about their pregnancy, because they don't get to talk about it very much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Wow. What a woman of strength. To go through what she went through twice is heartbreaking. But it just shows how powerful women can be. And she is a survivor of all of this. So is her family, and she has chose to take that journey and help others, and that is just gorgeous. All of her information is in the description, and you can get a hold of her through any of those links. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me at the Mama Jack on TikTok, the Mama Jack on Instagram. The Mama Jack on Facebook. I got a group and I'm a person there. And I'm actually going to leave you with some bonus material this time because we had a great conversation after the interview as well. And I feel like you guys need to hear this part too. So I hope you like this bonus material because I feel like it's a very important part of this whole podcast thank you so much for listening again. If you have any comments, questions, you can always reach out to me on any of my platforms. If you have something to talk about, again, reach out to me on any of my platforms. Thank you so much. Such a strong, strong person. My God, to go through this twice, it's like my mother actually went through it twice. And she's in the days of brush it under the rug and don't talk about it. So it's Mm -hmm. very interesting to see you opening up about it. And I'm always curious to see if she would listen to something like that, if she would start to think a little different, but she ended up having her first child. Um, She went into labor at like six, seven months I think Mm. and it was a super snowy day in Pennsylvania and she went to the hospital and they didn't have the right tools to stop the labor by the time she got to the other hospital it was taking them like an hour and a half because the snow was just piling Mm. down she ended up having him and he lived for I believe eight days and then passed away Mm
1: -hmm. and then she had
0: another miscarriage at it was close to the second trimester yeah but and then she had you know us I have a brother and a sister so she had us three
1: yeah well and it's so funny because yeah when it happens to you and then you talk to people and even like older they'll they'll tell you and like they don't tell they hadn't told anybody yeah (laughs) and then they would like open up and be like yeah I had this little baby and I could hold it in my hands and I was really sad for like a year after isn't that weird and I was like no (laughs) yeah, like, that sounds normal. But in then they were just like, Oh, just try again. And yeah, you know, and it's just, yeah. And I think we've found through whatever this last, I don't know, generation that the whole sweeping it under the rug thing, just, it doesn't work. Like yeah, the grief just waits around and I don't know. Yeah. I it's, agree with you. It's crazy, but it's all good. I hope it's I'm like, I always want to leave it with some hope. Like it's, Life is good. My life is good, even with all that, so. Yeah, well, you sounded pretty
0: positive as well, you know? Like, not saying the situations are positive, but it's not like, you know, life keeps going and you just bring these babies with you in a different way. Yeah. That's really how it is, you know? It's not like they're not with you all the time at this point, so... At least, if that's what you believe, I believe that, you know, some souls aren't ready to be here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that then they leave a little too early, but that doesn't mean they're not around you. And that doesn't mean they're not a part of you forever. And it's, you know, you see so much beauty in that. And I feel so much comfort even with the people that I know that have passed away, like older, younger, like they're always there with you especially a child because you literally have part of them inside of you
1: exactly yeah it's been so interesting I don't know if you yeah I'm I need to get more people but I've like interviewed I'm trying to interview people from like all different beliefs and religions Mm -hmm. and like how do they because it's kind of like we have you know maybe like some doctrine or whatever they believe about babies and what is it like in practice and like how does it how does their culture affect their grief and it's like so interesting yeah um just to well hear. I wasn't
0: raised the way that I think now but I definitely have like a spiritual side of me now that I never had before and that was after my mental breakdown I had I mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of an awakening and it's not your classic religion type it's yeah very you know But I can tell you from experience and from feelings I've had that in my experience, they're all still around us and they're all still looking after us. And when you think about them, it's them popping into your head. It's them being like, hey, you know, it's like that's my reassurance and it.